0: Welcome to Audible Brutality Two grouchy musicians humorously complaining about the state of music today Featuring Adam Percy and Tim Devan. Take it away, Adam and Tim. Adam Percy, you have returned. He's back, boys and girls. Or maybe he's not. I can't Uh, tell. I can't tell. Sorry.
1: That was, uh, yeah, that was the, the first coffee that I've had since I've been back.
0: From Kilimanjaro.
1: Yeah, that expedition. Yeah still didn't find the remnants of the last expedition. Oh, well, there you go. All right. Well, yeah. Well, I
0: thought you were finding yourself, but you were finding other people instead. Hey, there you go. Well, that's okay. Hey, we're happy to have you happy to have you back, man.
1: I'm I, it's I'm glad to be back. Uh yeah, it's uh, you know, um despite pandemics uh there's always other things to do and, you know, uh just trying to get them all done, man, and that included climbing Kilimanjaro. Well, Not there you go. Really, but, but Th- you know, <laughs> things to
0: see and people to do,
1: right? So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's the same for all of us. I'm sure, Tim, you're gonna want to climb K2 at some point.
0: Both peaks, of course, right?
1: Both peaks of both K2. Peaks. Well, yes. I, I heard there's four actually.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, both of me were, are going to climb all four peaks then. That's for sure. That's definitely yes. going to happen.
1: He says as he covers one eyeball and looks at the of the world on his wall. <laughs>
0: Thank, you. Thank you, Monty Python, for this hilarity. This is definitely not our own. But something yeah. that <laughs> is our own is the Christmas mug winner. And we're going to talk about that at the end of this episode. Yes! So you have to stay tuned because Adam and I are going to reach into the giant barrel, barrel, barrel to pull out the lucky winner of... The Christmas mugs from Audible Brutality. So stay tuned; it's at the end. You have to listen to the whole show first.
1: Those are some very stylish mugs. I have to say. I wonder who designed those. I I, I don't
0: know. <laughs> I I think it was Leonardo De Percy that did those. So. Uh,
1: no, well, it helps. It helps when we have such like handsome, you know, two handsome grouchy dudes. That that you know. it, yeah, it, 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 it almost designed itself.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a mug. <laughs> And it's got eye candy on it. So lucky listener. So yeah.
1: towards the end of this
0: crazy Yeah, exactly. Mm, stop. Towards the end of this crazy episode, we will pull a name out of the giant, giant barrel of names. And we will move on now to the very first topic of 2021. And that is Forty five and dum, EPs. Dum. Do you remember those? Do you remember those, Adam? Forty five. and I EPs. I do. I'm
1: actually l- looking at one on my desk right now. Um, and it's actually like this 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 EP, uh, a 45 that a buddy, my buddy Eli here gave to me a few years ago. Nice. Um, yeah, by this label called 45-7. And it's Space dub and Jungle Roots 24-7. And it's... Uh, yeah, produced by Rasta Norton. Nice. Um, yeah, so pretty neat. Uh, I don't know. I I, I always, I kind of miss the forty five, and and part of me is wishing someday there'll be a bit more of a resurgence of those. I know there's been like a big vinyl resurgence of mm. late. Mm-hmm. I would definitely like to see a bit of a resurgence in the 45, especially since the single seems to be ascendant now as opposed to albums because they were so cool, man. Like They, they were, were they were like the little collectible buttons that you took home from wow. the mall.
0: I, I I love what Peter Buck says about the 45 RPM record. And just in case anyone was like, oh, they're talking about guns, they're, but they're libtard Canadians. Meh. No, we're talking about 45 RPM records. You know, the one with the extra yeah. big hole in the middle. Anyways, yes. so Peter Buck, what he had said was uh, that a single, so, you know, back in the day when it was, you would go into your local record shop for us, it was probably Sam the Record Man or something similar. And you'd go in, it's like, here's the top, whatever, top 50, top 100, top 200. And it's like you've got this this shelf full of singles. And you're like, flip, flip, flip. Well, I like, number seven was, uh, I don't know, I'm going to make stuff up here. Number seven's a Gordon Lightfoot song that I really like. Uh, Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, that really speaks to me. I, I want to get that. But I'm not prepared to invest in the entire record just yet. So for less than a buck, you'd grab this and... On the A-side would be the song you're looking for, and you'd take it home, and you'd play it, and you'd play it, and you'd be happy, and your parents would come downstairs and say, okay, you've played that song 423 times, can you flip the fucking thing over, you know? Uh, (laughs) So you'd flip it over, but you never knew what was on the other side in a sense that sometimes the artist would have another song from the same record. Or in the case of bands like REM, or even in the case of Led Zeppelin, sometimes there'd be a song that you can't find anywhere else.
1: Mm. Yeah, the the magical B side that. Like, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, the magical B side. I mean, like Peter Buck said that. It was essentially a piece of crap usually purchased by teenagers whose intrinsic disposability encouraged artists to lard the B-side with failed experiments, badly written songs, drunken jokes, and occasionally a worthwhile song that doesn't fit the feel of one album,
1: which, i that's brilliant. That's brilliant, you know? Well, it's the one. T- it's the one time where, like, maybe, maybe where the artist almost gets a say in terms of, like, or at least back, back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, <laughs> back in the day, when the when the artist was sort of like, oh, I have this one song and I just really love this song, but the label doesn't like it so much. Maybe it's not as sellable, or mm-hmm. they don't see the value in it, and so they'd be putting something like that onto a B side of a single. Yeah, I, I actually just recently. Uh, read a book called there is a light that never goes out. Okay. Uh, And it's, it's basically the, the story of the Smiths. um, Nice. uh, uh, Yeah. And, and, and it's fascinating because the Smiths like a lot of like sort of bands that broke big were a band that broke big and didn't last very long. They only were on the scene for like four years or something. Mm -hmm. And in that time they wrote something like 72 songs, put out three albums, a whole pile of singles. And, but the one song that everybody knows by The Smiths, "How Soon Is Now," That's you know brilliant. that famous mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. that oh, that Bow diddly fucked up tremolo effect. So, "How Soon Is Now" was not a single. Mm-hmm. "How Soon Is Now" was a B side to a single. It was on a forty fucking five. It was on the or actually, I, I believe it was actually a twelve inch single. Apologies, twelve inch. Yeah, 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 it was the EP. Yeah, yeah. It was on the other side and the, you know, it didn't get picked as a single because of course it was a little weird for, you know, I think maybe what rough trade was looking for. They didn't quite know what to do with it. This is their label at the time was rough trade and you know, it was long. It was like six and a half. The original version I think was over seven minutes long. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of like, eh, I don't know if this is going to work, but you know, Johnny Marr was really happy with it. They were super excited with it. So they're like, let's put it out on a B side. Yeah. And sure enough, you know like it's at 90 it's a it's a song that's at 96 BPM which oddly enough kind of fit into a lot of It's it's not a hip hop song obviously but it was a lot of hip hop at the time mm-hmm. the early hip hop in the mid 80s the, the early to mid 80s was all around that tempo. So people hmm. were learning how to dance to that kind of speed and to that kind of groove and so there was it basically wound up finding this huge audience, and if you think about it, there isn't a Smith song that sounds anything like it. Oh God, no, um, no, not at all. But it's their biggest single. It was huge, and in fact, I think the American release of the album "Mita's Murder" they had to include it on that pressing because people thought they were expecting it. It's not if you get if you have the British version of "Mita's Murder," the, the, their album, mm-hmm. it's not on there it's It was a single it was a b side it was it was a it was a cast off <laughs> and that's that 's what 's brilliant
0: it's I remember that song in the late eighties if you wanted to fill a dance floor, so you 're playing the stuff that yes you know that's that's fairly popular, but there's always the guys that are just too cool for school i don 't dance to that weird stuff. no way that song would come on <laughs> all of a sudden, all the chairs are empty, and everyone 's on the dance floor sort of you know some people are dancing like they're in the peanuts you know everybody's grooving i that song is that's a great example of what a 45 can do you know yeah. um another one that i remember searching high and low to find the i don't know how to describe this except that it's the song that you could never get anywhere that was done by led zeppelin that's a studio release and i'm talking about hey hey what can i do and right. e- every now and then, the old Toronto Q107 would play it and I would be like, Dah! how come I can't find that? And I ended up going to Star Records in Oshawa and they had discovered that in Japan, they were still pressing years later, 15 years later, they were still <laughs> pressing the Immigrant Song single because people wanted it. Because on the, right. flip, on the flip side was, "Hey hey, what can I do? And that was the only way you could get it. There wasn't, you know, the bonus compilation with the extra songs on the CD, like what happened in the 90s when, you know, bands realized that their 45 minute albums suddenly looked pretty small on a CD that could hold 80 minutes of music. They started jamming in all of these collectibles. But in the 70s and 80s, there was no way to get this stuff again. Hey, hey, what can I do on the flip side of that single? And you know what? I paid seven bucks for a new copy in '85, which is ridiculous for forty-five. But hey, I was happy to part with my hard-earned and filthy lucre just to get my mitts on that thing.
1: But hey, hey, what can you do? well, yeah, well said, <laughs> Adam. Adam, what what was your dad joke?
0: What was your what was your first single? What was the first forty five that ended up in your filthy little hands as a as a a preteen that uh, Uh, turned your crank? What was it? What was the first one that went on your Mickey Mouse record player?
1: There were there were a few. Um, Actually, I I I distinctly remember a moment going to Centerpoint Mall uh, because there was a I think it was a Sam the Record Man there, a Sam the Mm -hmm. Record Man outlet there um and there were there were a few that i grabbed um you know you please remember this was the 80s so i think i grabbed um actually speaking of rem i i bought the uh stand uh 45 stand mm-hmm. in the place where you live i bought Oh wow, that. we're talking
0: we're talking late 80s there buddy boy okay
1: yeah i bought that i bought um and at the same time I this, this shows a, a a bit of a broad palette maybe on my part uh, it's a sin by the pet shop boys nice um, so I didn't have tons of pocket money as a kid I um, you know had the allowance and a paper route and all that kind of stuff like everyone else um, yeah. I think I also bought the the uh, the double uh, 12-inch Depeche mode 101 album the live album that they did at the the Pasadena Rose Bowl okay um, So I think those are that was, but I'd I'd bought albums before, but this was the first time that I actually actively went out and bought singles. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I'd heard uh, both tracks, I think, on CFNY, and I was just like, yeah, I gotta have those. I don't think they'd had albums out at the time, so it was sort of like, oh, these are cool tracks, I'll buy those. Um, And that was, you know, honestly, I don't actually remember any of the B-sides on those, and I have to go through some crates probably to dig those out. This wasn't a 45, but it was a 12-inch single. Speaking of of Depeche Mode, my favorite 12-inch single that I bought was the Depeche Mode Behind the Wheel 12-inch. Because it had like a Shep Pettibone extended mix on it, and it had... uh, Oh, they do this, uh, they do this, they incorporate this, it was a cool mix where they incorporate this cover of the song Route 66 with Behind the Wheel, so there's like this Martin Gore kind of doing this cheesy rock guitar thing, but then it's mixed over with the original song and him singing, you know, get your kicks on Route 66. I
0: remember it was, hearing that on CFNY, they played that, yeah. they used to play that, yeah, yeah, yeah it was pretty cool that. and and
1: that was that's actually an example of pre mp3 era where you could just do a google search and download it you know s- steal a pirated track or find it on youtube this was you know when you had that you were probably one of the few people on earth that had access to that music as opposed to mm-hmm. unlike a radio station like you were saying with like you know with led zeppelin or you know yeah. in this case yeah with CFNY, y where they would just be like hey we have you know we have the radio pressing of this this is exclusive It was, it was, it was almost like the golden ticket, you know, and you know, it it is kind of a weird combination to combine Route 66 with a Depeche Mode track. It's not something that I ever would have in my youth thought that that was maybe a good mixing and maybe it's silly, but they were having fun with it. It was kind of cool and you know, it was different. And I, I was one of the few privileged who had the opportunity to hang on to that. Well that's so.
0: I love I love stuff like that though. I mean the very first single I ever got in my life my mom bought for me and it was A Fifth of Beethoven by Walter Murphy and the Big Apple Band.
1: I remember that.
0: I was moving as as a child. I was moving from classical into pop, and that was the first one that I got. I think the second single I got was uh, "Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald." Again, my mom came home with that, said, "Here, you know," because I had Kiss records coming out the out, out my ears at that point, and she's right. like, "You got to listen to something else." So she <laughs> she bought me a "Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald," which I'm glad she did because I love Gordon Lightfoot, but. The single, to me, like, all these different singles and EPs, the 12-inch EPs were fun, especially in the early 80s, because they would sell them for next to nothing. Um, Yeah. You know, like, I have a Bruce Springsteen Glory Days EP that my sister picked up for me for Christmas in probably 1983, right? Right. And it was probably two bucks, but it's got four songs on it. So it's got the hit, Glory Days, but then it's got a couple other tunes that aren't on uh, that Born in the USA record, so, but from the same session. So it's sort of like opening up the vaults. And I remember a few years later, CFNY, like you talked about, I'm driving, I'm driving somewhere in my old blue Acadian. And I'm driving along and on CFNY, here comes your man by the Pixies. <laughs> Right. very, very unPixie song that I remember thinking, man, that's a great song. And I pulled over, went to the Oshawa Center that day, immediately went to the Oshawa Center, saw my buddy Braden Legere, who was working in Sam the Record Man, as we talked about earlier. Sam yeah. the Record Man. I miss Sam the Record Man, by the way, big time. But that's Me another too. story. Yeah, I know. We all miss it so terribly. Um, so... I went in and I said to him, listen, I just heard a song by the Pixies. Here comes your man. He's like, oh, we just got an EP in. I'm like, oh, okay, well, show me. And he, so he pulls out this EP, which has a picture of the, a dog on it. I think it's probably Frank Black's dog. And it says, here comes your man EP, ninety i I'm like, sold. Gimme. Yeah. You know, I still have that. And I remember years later. A guy that I used to work with was over at my place. He's leafing through my records. This is in the mid-90s when it's like nobody has records anymore. Right? He's like, oh, you have vinyls, man. Whoa. And I'm like, well, <sighs> yeah, because I bought them when they came out, you know? <laughs> and he finds this Pixies EP. He's like, oh, my God. I can't get these songs anywhere. Well, except for Here Comes Your Man, which was on their album. On the right. album uh, Doolittle, I think. And he says, can I please borrow this so I can tape this? I'm like, yeah, sure. So he tapes it, he brings it back, and he's like, I can't, I can't believe you have that. And I'm like, well, that's the joy to me of an EP. It's like, it's, again, going back to the Peter Buck quote, it's the undiscovered stuff because it's like, you know, the artist says, well, we went in the studio, we recorded 15 songs, the label only liked eight, but I was kind of partial to song 11 and 12. I want to put them out somehow, you know? and how am i going to put those
1: out well like i said it was that it's that magical like it's that it's that the one place where the artist at least again when in in the days when there was almost like excessive label control over the product that you put out it's the one place where the artist could sort of go yeah well you know you guys don't really care what i put on the other side because the the a side is what's important to you right and i always found it interesting that it was it was radio that you, you know, oftentimes were the ones who are also doing the, the old B-side flip. And, you know, because radio at the time, they were the tastemakers. They were the ones mm-hmm. who sort of were like, mm, you know, they were the thumbs up or the thumbs down of a single. And there are lots of stories that I've read about. And, of course, none of them come to mind, although I think I just uh, read about this. I have one. Bio as well, where, yeah, like where, where, you know, the radio station gets the 45 or the 12-inch single, and they listen to the, the A-side, and they're like, it's not so good. What's on the other side? And they flip it over and they go, Ooh, I like that. That will fit in the playlist quite nicely on a regular basis. And they play the B side, you know, fuck what the label says. This is awesome. So that happened
0: with kiss actually. And I know I keep bringing kiss and ABBA and Zeppelin up, but I mean, you oh, talk about what you know, kiss. but when the album Destroyer good. came out, they were pumping singles off at like, come on, come on, come on, come on, because they're trying to capitalize on the the popularity of Alive, because Alive did quite well. Right. And so they put out, I think it was Detroit Rock City. I might be wrong, but Detroit Rock City and the B-side was Beth. And radio stations right. were, were play played played Detroit rock city and said, yeah, but it didn't climb the charts. So they went flip and they flipped it over and played Beth. All of a sudden the phones lay up. Who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Who is that? That's kiss. And it's like, that's kiss. The, the guys that sing about getting laid and their dicks all the time, those guys, (laughs) the crazy boots and the crazy makeup, the scary makeup that scared my parents, those guys, (laughs) you know,
1: I wonder actually if the 45 in a lot of ways, um, brought about the advent of of ballad rock you know because i'm sure again like and i don't know i did i wasn't really listening to a whole lot of radio in the 70s because i was you know under 10 years old but you know i know that
0: (laughs) i'm really old that's what adam's trying to say
1: that was the that was the time when sort of ballad rock became ascendant you know like with the eagles and you know all of a sudden people are going from this hard rock Fast moving, you know, you know, bouncing around the room kind of feel to, you know, ooh, you know, let's get let's put some candles on and get a little more romantic and throw on a guitar solo and ooh yeah, sexy guitar player with the long Jerry curls and like you know, like like, you know, and the and the duck face, you know, duck face before Instagram kind of thing. It would that was exclusive to the guitar player, Mm -hmm. you know, lifting his guitar up for the solo and licking his guitar, like that whole thing. (laughs) And I wonder if that was the that was sort of what in a way, maybe pushed that style of rock onto the masses. I'm
0: thinking that some of that has to do with the emergence of the 70s singer-songwriter. Sure. So you're talking about your Don McLeans. You're talking about your Carly Simons. You're talking about um, your... uh, Oh, yay, there goes the train. It left without all of... Those are good examples. A lot of the... (laughs) Those are good examples. A lot of uh, James Taylor. That's who I was thinking. Right. But lots and lots of like singer songwriters that are acoustic guitar. This is the song I've got. They go in the studio. Carol, Carol King. um, That's again, singer songwriter, piano, singer songwriter. The I, I think a lot of that, that mellow idea that this these people had these ideas and there was that sort of California sound, which the Eagles were part of. That sort of made that made that AM gold, where it's like you know, one minute um, you're you're listening to Saturday night, and then after that it's you know, uh, uh, Vincent by Don McLean, you know, on the same AM station. Yeah. So I think some of that started to hit, like with the, the heavy bands. I know, for instance, that Bob Ezrin has talked about, especially with Kiss with Destroyer that you got to have something on there because you have way too many guys at your shows.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Because he said, if if girls don't go to your show, then you're not going to get sell any records because guys will follow girls, yeah. you know? <laughs> if the girls like your stuff, then the guys will like your stuff. Yeah. But you're not going to get girls by telling them how badly you want to fuck them and, you know, how much you want to do terrible things to them. So... <laughs> The sensitive ballad came out of that and I think I think that really exploded going into the eighties with hair metal too, where every yeah. hair metal band had their, you know, she is my cherry pie and all that sort of stuff, followed with like some sort of sensitive like, Oh look, I I'm deep and introspective, even with this poofy hairdo. Yeah. You know? I can be dangerous
1: so, and sensitive at the same time. <laughs> which has often dangerous. been said of both myself and you, Tim. So,
0: well, yes, I am very sensitive. You just hurt my feelings, and I find that dangerous. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but the 45 to me was always it, you never knew what you got on the well, of course, you knew what it was if you turned it over. But if you didn't know what that song was, like if you're if you got that single from the Adam Percy <laughs> band and you're like, I got his song, yeah, 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 which I think is the greatest song in the world, then you flip it over and there's a song on the back called No, No, No. But that's not on the record. You're like, whoa, wait a second. What is this? Yeah. What is what is this wonderful, wonderful thing on the other side? And you feel like you're part of a club.
1: Yeah. You know. That's what I think the the the, the magic of that is is even though I'm sure they pressed a gazillion 45s of that, somehow the B side was sort of this exclusive. It was a little bit of extra insight into the artist that you liked, and. It is funny how like the, the A side probably got like I I remember actually getting tired of songs like Stand by R.E.M. just being like, Okay, I've heard mm. that a gazillion times already. What's on the other side? You know, and Yeah. And, you know, having moments where it's sort of like, Oh yeah, like that there is something going on here that it was it was a little bit of an extra insight. It was like that that crack that lets you sort of slide in a little bit to what the band was doing and thinking and, and, or even just, you know, maybe the band let it, like you said, letting off some steam, you know, maybe they just came into the session totally stoned and, you know, we're like, let's just jam for 10 minutes, man. And, and you know, <laughs> who knows? Right. Yeah. But that was, that was kind of the neat thing. It was, you know, you were, it was a little bit of an extra connection where they let their guard down a bit where the label lets the guard down just a mm-hmm. bit. And there was, there was an exclusivity to it that I think made those pretty special. So I hope someday, I don't know, maybe 45s -hmm. will come back. Again, we're in a period where singles are very ascendant and albums not so much. So maybe we'll start seeing more 45s again.
0: Hmm. Let's hope. I mean, one of my favorite compilations of 45s of the B-sides is R.E.M.'s Dead Letter Office. Right. Which is just just b sides and there's there's live two track stuff on there of them doing uh covers of velvet underground songs uh they do a version of King of the road if you can believe that there are other versions of songs that they've done that they've they never ever released i I love that sort of stuff sure. and to me the forty five sure the teeny bopper buys the forty five for the hit on the a side but maybe the maybe the hardcore fan is the one that flips it over and says what what am i listening to here what is this this is nothing i've heard anywhere else so yes i'm with you adam i hope the 45 returns and returns with a vengeance
1: bring it back baby bring it back
0: Adam. Yes, Tim? I think we should draw that name for those sexy mugs. Mm. With the sexy mugs. What do you think?
1: I think so, too. Our sexy mugs on those sexy mugs needs to get
0: sexified. There you go. It needs to go out into the great wide open. So I'm reaching into our giant barrel of names because of all of the people. Thank you to all, first of all, that have sent your name in and your suggestions. Thank you very much. I
1: do actually want to say thank you for that because not only did you get entered into a draw, but we got a lot of really great suggestions for our Christmas holiday playlist, which we put up on Spotify. That was so awesome because, really, our playlist was the most fucked up playlist, and I thought it was excellent. There was such a, you know, everything from, like, the former singer of Ash to you know oh shoot what was that artist with all the swearing i don't know it was really great ah santa you fucking cunt it was so fantastic i was just like i i'd never even heard of that song and i'm like oh i just like the swearing merry christmas everyone swear at me um so yeah (laughs) sweary sweary christmas to you adam sweary christmas Christmas. so So. tim why don't you rummage around in that list of names and let's pull one out
0: so, yeah, let me pull it out. Hang on. Let's just reach into this. Hang on. Totally it's random draw. Kind of totally random. But it's, hang on a second. It's, it's really... There's a Okay, hang on. Uh, I'm falling in. Ah! Hang on. Tim! And, no! All right. Hang on a second here. And I think I've got a name right here. Hang on a second. Uh-huh. And the name. The name, the name, the name. Congratulations to Cody
1: Quinney. Cody, congratulations, buddy. You have won an audible audible. An all-expenses-paid trip
0: to... S- oh, yeah, that's what it was. Sorry, yes, you're right. It, it's mugs, it's mugs. I thought he won a trip.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 we can't afford that.
0: Oh, you want an all-expenses-paid trip to
1: your living room, <laughs> where you will find your mugs and be able to drink Christmas cheer post Christmas. Thanks, thanks. Well, thanks that's it for your entry and for uh, playing our our fun Yours little draw. We had a good time with that. Yeah. One. And if you want to get your, I know it's late for
0: Christmas, but if you want to get your own mugs, we well, can put the link up there, and you could go yeah. buy some stuff. I know a couple of our friends uh, jumped on that, and I'm pretty happy about that. So hopefully Cody Quinney will get his mugs, I'm hoping, before Valentine's Day. But if he doesn't, I hope he gets it before the snow melts. Yes. So I don't know how long these things take. They're all made to order. So there isn't a giant factory with four million mugs with our mugs on it waiting for you to order uh. one. So they are made to order. So that technically that's green boys and girls yep we're not making product that ends up in landfills later on so
1: one thing i think we should think about tim is maybe doing our own swag i think so too clearly like people were interested in that so maybe we'll think about that i think so
0: too you know t-shirts mugs because you know nothing uh, says
1: you know into yourself like selling material with your face all over it that's it. Ah.
0: if If I can't wear if I can't wear a t shirt with my own face on it, then I don't want to wear clothes. <laughs> God damn it!
1: You know? right? Yeah, that's right. Right? Yep. We'll make sure <laughs> they all say I'm with stupid on them and all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, and the arrow is <laughs> pointing straight down. Right. We'll think so. about that one.
1: I think that would be fun. I mean, yeah. Well, let's let, let's 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 mull that one like a Christmas cider, mm. shall we?
0: Like a like a fine fine wine. We shall mull that. <laughs> Congrats to Cody. Congrats, um, Cody. Thank you to the people that bought the mugs. The mugs look pretty dope. And hey, thanks to that artist that shall not be named for making those beautiful, beautiful mugs. That was me. And that art, that artist <laughs> is <laughs> that was me. Leonardo de Percy. Uh, Leonardo de Percy. Yeah.
1: Well, hey, it's not odd, but I know what I like.
0: <laughs> well, in case anyone, if, in case our listener was wondering, who's the responsible? Whose fault is it? All of those great. Images and things. Well, that's out. Uh, so <laughs> there you go. The, the cat is out of the bag in 2020. I've moonlighted so. as a
1: graphic designer before. <laughs> <laughs> moonlighting, moonlighting. So, as opposed all to right, me, well, yes,
0: well, you did that too. Yes, so. I've
1: done that as well.
0: And this ends another festive episode, even though, you know, happy January, I guess, if that's festive. It's
1: Christmas every day. Episode
0: of Audible Brutality. Uh, We're looking forward to a brutal 2021. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being there.
1: Adam, got any final words for our listener? If you like our podcast and you would like to leave a review... We yes. like it when you leave reviews, even if they're, you know, uh, we we like five star. But hey, man, if you're sort of feeling maybe we're worthy of a three or four, that's okay, too. We don't take it too personally. We won't show up at your door complaining about your review. <laughs> Let's just say that. I promise, winky, winky, we won't show up. No, but, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, definitely leave us a review. We, you know, like all podcasts, we definitely appreciate it. Uh, iTunes has a review system. Uh, go listen to us on Spotify uh, or straight from the teat. You can get our podcast right on our website. Um, yes. Yeah, fucking shites Go to our website. Download
0: your very own. Download your very own and save your bandwidth on your phone for other
1: things. Go have a you know <laughs> check us out. Give us a review. We appreciate it. Thanks, Adam and Cue the sexy music. Cue the music. Audible Brutality is presented by Adam Percy and Tim Vandeman and recorded remotely on Denman Island, British Columbia and in St. Jerome, Quebec. Music submissions or general inquiries can be made through our website at audiblebrutality.com. Give us a like on Facebook or Instagram. And of course, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the Audible Brutality podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening.